The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So for the last while, we've been exploring the Four Noble Truths and Eightfold Path. And in the last few weeks, we've been talking about wise speech as a factor of the Eightfold Path. And um, we covered quite a bit with wise speech already. Um, But just to kind of, hmm, let's say review, um, you know, wise speech is a, I mean, all of these ethical components of the Eightfold Path, wise speech, wise action, wise mindlyhood, wise livelihood, the, uh, the, the intention behind them is to help us in our relationships to have relationships that are harmonious and that don't contribute to harm, either for others or for ourselves. And so this, uh, this really brings the relational um, field uh, right into our practice with the intention of supporting the mind that moves in the direction of the desire for freedom from suffering, both for ourselves and others. And move in the direction of this this wish, this aspiration to not harm and to um, recognizing that harming the harming activity the what what we when we tend to harm it comes from kind of constricted energies of mind of greed of aversion of confusion, and so the the exploration around these relational fields and the Uh, the activities and things that support a harmonious relational field help us to um, uh, recognize when these qualities of greed, aversion, and delusion are motivating our actions. And when they are motivating our actions and we're following through on those actions, then we are uh, reinforcing those qualities. As the, the Buddha said, whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of our mind. And we, uh, you know, we see this. We recognize this in our experience to some extent. If we, if we are frequently, um, you know, uh, aggressive and uh, angry, then that tends to create the conditions for more of that. If we're frequently kind and um, compassionate, that tends to create the conditions for more of that. And while our uh, what we what we tend to act on how we tend to be in relationship has been conditioned by our past, by our uh, families, by our cultures, um, by our um, you know, relationship to what's happened to us in our lives. While it's been conditioned by that, it is simply conditioned. It is not, and it gets strongly conditioned because of this, um, when we do something frequently, it, it, it kind of deepens that groove, it deepens that direction in our minds and so when we um, it becomes it becomes easier to do that and harder to choose something else but it is still conditioned we can with mindfulness choose to act more out of love and compassion and wisdom and generosity and patience than out of greed aversion and delusion 
And so these, these, this ethical component of the, of the path is pointing to actions of ways of engaging in the world that will help us to kind of highlight those actions and speech that tend to be motivated out of greed, aversion, and delusion, and to take some care with those, to, to, to have some caution about those. And so we've spent some time looking at those four areas of wise speech, of refraining from uh, false speech, refraining from harsh speech, refraining from divisive speech, and refraining from idle chatter in the last uh, few times that I was here. And we extensively explored that and explored some of the gray areas around all of those, um, you know, the the gray areas around... um, um, how to talk to somebody when what what the truth is uh, might feel painful to them and so feels easier to lie in that situation, just a little white lie. And so we've talked about a lot of those those gray areas. And what I'd like to really explore today around speech is a little beyond what the um, factor of wise speech in the Eightfold Path offers. Um, but at the same time, you know, as we begin to and that is of mindful speech, that uh, to, to be aware of speaking while we're speaking. But these factors of um, why speech actually begin to help us to uh, be curious about the motivations around our speech, the intentions. And so it ha- we have to bring some mindfulness there in order to engage with why speech. And so it, be, it does begin to cultivate this capacity to have this intention to engage with wise speech, begins to cultivate some of the capacity around mindful speech. In the first place it, it really helps us or begins to point to being mindful is in the moments before we speak. And this is a kind of a key with, uh, with wise speech is that the only way that we can practice wise speech really is when we begin to recognize, oh, what's getting ready to come out of my mouth is going to be something potentially harmful or not in line with these guidelines for wise speech. And so that, that takes a little bit of mindfulness. But the activity of speaking, you know, because we do have to call up um, you know, the, the, some of the intention to express the air, to form the words, it, while it is still an ex- incredibly difficult place to be mindful, because so often what happens is as we're forming those words, we're in the content of those words, kind of like in the, in, when our minds get lost in thought, you know, very quickly our minds go to the content. And so very, very quickly we tend to get lost in that content and just not be mindful. And that's when words can come out, just kind of get blurted out without, uh, without mindfulness. And yet, you know, I think we all know how helpful it would be to be able to be mindful of speech. I, I don't know anybody who has not said something at some point in their lives, more than once, that they wished they had never said. And so this um, this kind of interest in, can I know that I'm getting ready to speak? Can I know what I'm going to say before I say it? Can really help us. And so this is... You know, this is um, this is the first piece I want to point to, is that we can begin to be aware before we speak. 
We can know that we are going to speak. And just even a simple in conversation, if you um, can practice with this a little bit, just a, a pause, you know, getting ready to say something. If you can pause, if you can take a pause before you speak, then you have caught the intention to speak. You, have, you, you, you may not really name it in that way, but if you can just take a moment, oh, getting ready to say something, and pause for just a moment, then you have, you have caught that kind of impulse, that urge to speak. And in seeing that, you know, as you see that urge to speak, just that moment of pause may give you enough of a window into what you're going to say and how you're feeling in that moment. You know, the, the, the thing for me is often, you know, catching myself, motivate, moving into something, moving into saying something. I feel a little bit of maybe, hmm, you know, maybe a little tightening or a little constriction. This actually happens happens a lot as I'm speaking in this form. You know, I'm, I find, you know, the word that immediately pops into my mind. Hmm, it just hmm, it just doesn't quite feel like the right word. And so I pause and let my mind kind of you know, search maybe for another word for that to come out. And it's not a big thing. It's not like I'm going to say, not mostly like I'm going to say something really, really horrible, but it just, it just feels like, hmm, this, this word doesn't quite feel like it resonates. And so I pay attention to that. I pay attention to that. And so that, that kind of taking that moment helps us to see maybe some emotions or feelings or resentments or uh, struggles or frustrations or angers that may be kind of connected to the whole reason why we're, why we're speaking. And feeling into that, feeling into that can help us also to potentially choose something different, choose a different way to say something, or maybe choose silence instead of speech. So this, um, you know, this practice of, of mindful speech, I would say, um, it's really hard. Um, and most of the other um, people that I know who've been practicing for years, you know, 20, 30 years, some of my colleagues in the, the Dharma teaching world, um, agree you know it's like yeah this this area of being aware while speaking and to um have it be natural that's the other piece sometimes people say well if i'm pausing before i'm speaking it's not natural it feels very stilted and yet there's a way in which practicing with this it becomes much more natural and that it's just like it's just kind of like this little um it's just like hovering of mindfulness very lightly with this activity of speaking that kind of can know the inner state at the same time. Is this, is this speech kind of motivated by something that feels contracted? Or does it feel like the speech is motivated by kind of more connected, a feeling of, of ease and um, softness? So that's just a it's just a very simple kind of thing, but it's it's not easy, you know the the kind of um, 
the momentum of mindfulness. Now, here's another piece that I'll say. You know, at first, when we when we start playing with being aware while speaking, it can feel like a little bit of a doing. It's, you know, it's we have to remember, we have to think about it, we have to reflect on. Hmm, I'd like to know what I'm thinking, know what I'm saying, know how I'm responding to what somebody else is saying, and it's. It's not um, our natural way of engaging because typically we're just engaging in the content and we're not so aware. And so that, that habit makes it really difficult. But we do, uh, there are times and ways we, we might be able to uh, practice this. Now in your, um, in your uh, work life or in your, um, you know, your, your most... Uh, uh, contentious relationships, this may not be the place to practice it. Although you can try. I mean, you can see, you can play with that. Uh, you know, I, I found, I find that like in business meetings, you know, uh, when I was in uh, the, the work world in business meetings, it's like pausing before you speak. You know, you never get to say anything in a, in a business environment. Um, so, you know, that, that, there have to be some other ways to engage and and one of the tools that um, uh, is is offered by a a, a technique called nonviolent communication is to use the rephrasing so you know somebody has said something and and you can use that what I heard you say was to give yourself a moment to pause and recognize okay i 'm getting ready to speak i 'm getting ready to offer my content. Um, so that can be a kind of a tool in this kind of more more active engagement. Um, but what what can also begin to happen is just the practice of it begins to make it more natural, and then we can we can just be engage in a normal way in whatever uh, ki- kind of conversation that's happening. But it does take practice. It's kind of like um, you know practicing almost any skill, especially a skill that is very. Uh, social or very, um, um, you know, involves a lot of people, like, uh, you know, the game of basketball or something. And I've only done a little bit of playing basketball. I was never, never much of a basketball player. But I did realize that um, it was helpful first. You know, if you want to play basketball, if you want to learn how to play basketball, you don't start in, like, the competitive uh professional sports i mean you'll just get run over you'll 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 you know get hurt basically and so you need to start by practicing some of the basic skills of dribbling passing shooting so you have to start there by yourself probably you know you know just on the court by yourself and then maybe you bring in somebody who's a little better than you and you know you do something together and maybe they point out some places where you could improve um you know and and maybe they they do a little bit of blocking your shots and and so you learn a little bit about how to move in this very structured place and then maybe you'd move to a game with friends also who are aware you're a beginner and aren't gonna like you know run over you but you start to learn the more dynamics of how this happens in a, in a more um, a speedy game. And then you might go into something more uh, challenging. And so, you know, in learning a skill, and mindfulness is a skill, certainly mindfulness of speaking is a skill, it's helpful to have some practice with this.
And so, you know, we do start our practice of this with just our simple meditation. In some ways, what that could be like is learning some of the basic skills of mindfulness, dribbling, shooting, that kind of thing. Um, Although, you know, it's even simpler than that. Maybe it's just more like standing and walking. You know, that's what we're learning. (laughs) You know, we're learning that level of skill in the in the, uh, the mindfulness practice. You know, how can I be aware in the present moment? Can I be aware in the present moment? Yes, I can be aware in the present moment of my breath uh, while I'm sitting in stillness with my eyes closed. And then we discover it gets harder when we're like walking around the neighborhood. But we, then we can practice that. You know, then we can start to practice, oh, can I do this stealth mindfulness? You know, walking through the neighborhood at a normal pace. Can I... Um, be mindful while that's happening. So we begin to see that, that mindfulness is not limited to specific conditions, like sitting still with our eyes closed, but it is actually a function of mind that can go into any of our mind states, can, can be with us whatever we're doing. But it does take some practice. And so the, uh, the piece around mindful speech, the first part that maybe is more like the dribbling and shooting in the basketball area is, um, you know, practicing with content, being aware of content and um, in, when you're by yourself. Because that's, I think that's the biggest piece in terms of mindfulness of speaking. And the, the reason we get lost in speaking is because we're not so used to being aware of content, of the, of the thoughts that we have, of the, the speech that we're going to make. We're, in our sitting meditation, we are actively at times not engaging with content. And so we're not learning really how to be aware while we're thinking, while we're speaking. So this is a big area of practice that we can do on our own in our, you know, so, so this is the, 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 the private practice essentially. How do I bring a sense of curiosity to being mindful, not just of like seeing and touching and breathing and just the simple, the simplicity of, of the, the moments of, of um, like physical sensation, but also mindfulness, not only there's a thought that's tends to be how we relate to thinking in our, um, in our sitting meditation. Oh, that's a thought. We don't actually, in our sitting meditation, in our, in our sitting meditation, often look at the content of the thought and look at how does that content affect me. But actually, that's not a bad idea. And I suggested it in the guided meditation just a little bit. I suggested that when the mind wanders and you notice that it's come back, you know, so you, you, you are aware that the the um, the mind is now aware and it has been thinking. That question, how has that thinking affected me? Because thoughts are very powerful. And we know this, that when a thought in our mind, you know, we're sitting here minding our business and sitting meditation and some thought about a conversation with our uh, partner arises in our mind. And that conversation, the situation, all of that, the thoughts that arise in the mind tend to create the emotions, the feelings that were happening at the time. That's natural. That's kind of the way our minds work. And so 
as we return from being lost in thought, if we are simply having the kind of notion of, oh, you know, that was what was happening, let go of that and come back to the breath, then we're actually missing a whole realm of what's going on in our minds around the fact that we have been thinking. And so we have been thinking something may have come up in the mind. And in the moment of mindfulness arising, that may be actually what's the strongest. Maybe a little bit of frustration or a little bit of confusion or anger or irritation or a wanting, excitement. What's there? That has been, so that is like looking at how the mind has been shaped by content. The content of the thought has shaped how we are right now. So that's, that's a very early way to begin to engage with content. It's just noticing that. How am I after the mind has been wandering? What has been the effect of thinking? And then as we, um, as we start to um, look at this more in our daily lives, we can, in a very structured way, learn how to engage with content Um, again, by ourselves. Um, And one of the best ways to do that is around reading and writing. Essentially, reading and writing are kind of like a very slowed down conversation. Because we are both, um, for writing, we are constructing content to offer to somebody else, which is what we do when we're speaking. We construct content to offer to somebody else. And in reading, we are taking in the content from somebody else's mind. And so in reading and writing, when we're by ourselves, we might, you know, and and I do this regularly with looking at the news. You know, I will, you know, bring up the news and it's like, okay, I'm going to be aware of this. And this takes some intention, even around reading and writing. You know, you receive something from somebody and you just want to fire off a, a response. Maybe you could uh, explore um, pausing there. That's a little easier place to pause. You know, nobody knows when you've picked up your device. So it's like, you know, they're not expecting you to necessarily return instantly, although maybe some people are. Um, So this, um, you've got some time to remember about mindfulness. And so in that moment, the, the way I practice with this, and, and early on in this exploration, it can be a little bit of a pause. So uh, like, for instance, in reading, read a sentence, read a headline. How does that land? How does that, what does that content do to my heart and mind? And so this is, you know, looking at how does the content affect me? And so we are aware of, uh, in our system, of the response of our mind, of the feelings in our body that are coming up around the content. And this is a really useful place to be mindful because when we're not mindful of that, when we're not aware of how we're responding, then our, uh, our response to that, you know, our, our, what we put out into the world there, in response to that, those feelings it's just going to be more habitual. And it may, again, it may be motivated by that greed or aversion or confusion. And so um, that moment of, of like, okay, that's what I'm taking in. That's the content. And how am I? My, um, my teacher in Burma, Saira Utejaniya, uh, calls this 50-50 mindfulness. 50% of the attention on what we're doing 
And that might be some kind of verbal content, or it might be, you know, some kind of activity, like washing the dishes or, um, you know, being in the garden. You know, so there's, you know, some awareness of what we're doing. And 50% of the activity on what's going on inside. Sometimes it may be in relationship to that, that activity that we're doing. And sometimes it may be more uh, in relationship to something that's happening in our own minds. So a couple days ago, I think, something happened. I uh, can't remember what it was, but it, it kind of got my mind a little bit um, agitated. And it was like, oh, I need, to, I need to figure out what to do about this. How do I engage? And so the mind was kind of doing that, processing that part. But I needed to make my meal. And so I didn't like try to stop. So it wasn't like I said, oh, in order to be mindful of this and aware right now, then I can only do one thing at a time. I let myself kind of make the dinner, kind of know that part, but also like track, yeah, okay, these thoughts, these feelings, that was going on. And there was something that, oh, that's something. That's something that I could do in that situation. And then at that point, that whole kind of mind... um, agitation settled and then I was just more engaged in the you know more fully engaged in the in the cooking activity but but I was still aware you know there, there was an awareness of what I was doing and also an awareness of what was going on in my mind in the the content piece that we're talking about with speech it's more along the lines of how is the content of what you're doing how are you responding to that the content of what you're reading um and in the in the the side of writing and offering um, something to to say to somebody, it's you know okay here's a thought, here's something I want to express maybe even write it down but then pause and how is that you know what what is motivating that how might the other person receive it, and so when we're reading and writing we can take this time to kind of pause between each sentence reflect look at the, the experience, know something about what's happening, and then maybe make some shifts and changes. So this gives us some of the beginning skills of being aware while engaged in content. And this is, you know, this is, this is really, I feel, a really important part of our mindfulness practice. We seem to emphasize, many times we emphasize the meditation side of things, you know, the let the mind quiet and... Um, And that is incredibly valuable. And again, it kind of provides some of the basis to be able to even be mindful in our more active situations. But so much of our lives are spent in this realm of of content and engagement. And if we, you know, just basically say, well, I meditate, I pay attention when I'm sitting in silence, and this is too hard, forget it. You know, that's where so much of the problems of the world are coming from. We are not paying attention to our content. We're not paying attention to how we are in relationship to each other. And so the, anything that we can do in this realm, I feel, will benefit the world. So I, I feel very strongly about this piece, the, the being able to engage with the content, to, to know what's, you know, the content and how I am with that content. And, and at the beginning, it may be just a simple, like, is there contraction an agitation, or is there ease? It may be just that simple at the beginning, to just begin to get familiar with the, 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 you know, the heart that goes, 
clenching down or the heart that feels soft and comfortable that if you're when you're reading something you know you might not know all the details of the various responses there may be a mixture of a big like you know some one headline can create frustration and anger and confusion and fear i mean the whole thing and so to 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 um you don't have to like tease all of those apart and name all of them but just recognizing wow there's a there's a contracted reaction here okay let me just kind of hang with that for a moment in this uh, in this kind of more structured experience or exploration when we're alone working with content and then the next step might be in terms of bringing this into speech is to um you know find a friend who's interested in doing this find somebody who's also interested in practicing mindful speech and set up a mindful speech lunch date you know have a have a time when you get together and say this is what we're going to do you know we're not here to have a normal conversation we're here to help each other be mindful of speaking the first time i i remember doing this um my friend and i i remember the, the place we were the restaurant where we were sitting in the restaurant and all of that um um and the first part you know we said okay we're going to do this we're going to be mindful while speaking and so this is partly to help each other you know you 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 are not trying to have a um a normal conversation where the flow is smooth and easy necessarily but um um so it's okay to have these kind of awkward pauses and you know be reflecting oh that's what i'm thinking of saying okay um so this first uh, time that i did this with this friend i was sitting there across from the friend and and i thought of something to say and you know it was like wow that one's motivated out of pride or hmm that one's kind of divisive or hmm and so i sat there for like 2 minutes maybe it wasn't quite that long but it felt like a long time i sat there like having thoughts of what to say and not saying them i don't know what was going on in my friend's mind because he was silent too <laughs> but, but i was sitting there like basically ruling out things to say because of the kind of constriction that was in each one and so finally i could what i did say the first thing that i said was i am sitting here ruling out things that have come up in my mind <laughs> because they don't seem like they're motivated from that uh that skillful a place that i could say skillfully you know that's what was happening and so you know that 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 this kind of structured uh lunch date both gives us an opportunity to say things that we would never say in a in a situation where we're with somebody that's you know more of a work relationship or somebody that we don't know so well you know and, and, and you know with my boss at work i wouldn't say gee i'm sitting out ruling out things to say because of unskillful motivation <laughs> i wouldn't say that to a boss <laughs> but but to a friend who's interested in this that's a kind of possibility and so that's another thing i'll suggest is like if you're interested in this again it takes practice it's not likely that you're going to be able to suddenly be you know have the skill of mindful speech without some kind of practice i just taught a 10 day uh, retreat which is um it's a very open style of meditation practice 
Um, it's, it's basically, you know, noticing that you're aware and noticing what's happening and occasionally checking in what's my relationship to what is happening. So th- those are the instructions. That pretty much we said the same thing all week in different ways. But that is just really simple. It's very receptive. You're just noticing awareness. You're not directing the attention. And so this very simple instruction carries really well into daily life practice. And so at the end of the retreat, the last two full days of the retreat, we created conditions for them to have conversations with each other. Um, in um, you know, it was it was not the not the kind of okay, you're going to turn to each other in dyads and in the room. It wasn't that kind of thing. It wasn't that structured. But we said, okay, between you know, 9:30 a.m. 5:30 p.m. There's a place outside where it's okay to talk. You can find a partner and go there. And we, you know, gave these suggestions about there being short conversations, about 10 minutes, that the content of the conversation be either about what it's like to be aware, mindful while speaking, or what does it feel like to be doing this exercise together, um, or something about just the Dharma in general. And so this is another um, kind of... um, suggestion with your friend you know you could have a mindful lunch date that's more around um, working with the mindfulness while speaking in this very structured way or it might be a little more fluid not like okay I want to be mindful for every single sentence I say but if the conversation if you have a, a, a dharma friend if the conversation is around the dharma then just the content of the conversation might help you to remember to be mindful. Like, it's real. It's not so hard to remember to be mindful while speaking when you're talking about mindfulness. So the content can support you. And that's what we encouraged for this retreat. And, um, you know, they got to do this after, after eight full days of practicing this Uh, this kind of mindfulness practice. And so there was a lot of momentum for the mindfulness. And it was really beautiful what they described about what they learned and and what they saw and the kind of the lights going on about how it is possible to be mindful in in a more ordinary kind of conversation. And so the more skill we gain, the more, uh, the more capacity we have, uh, the more uh, familiar we get with being mindful while speaking, then it takes less effort to be mindful while speaking. It becomes more natural to be mindful while speaking. So the um, mindfulness, mindfulness can be with, can arise with any activity of body, speech, or mind. It is, except maybe non-mindfulness. But whatever is happening in our, in our minds, our hearts, whatever content is coming up, thoughts coming up, emotions coming up, mind states, boredom, sleepiness, uh, dullness, low energy, it doesn't matter. Mindfulness can meet it. It may be that there's a habit in your own, um, in your own uh, conditioning to not be mindful around certain activities. And I would say, as a human species, we tend to not be mindful in sleepiness, in low energy, in spaciness, in speaking. There's some kind of common ways in which we tend to not be mindful. But it doesn't mean that it's not possible. And what I've seen um, 
um, and and also with some very intense intellectual or or you know um, activities of mind where we have to focus and concentrate whatever it is uh, that we do you know whether it's um, working on uh, some kind of a of a of a you know um, um, an engine of some kind of repairing something or or whether it's a computer programming or whatever it is, you know, there, there, there's times when the mind kind of has to put a lot of intentionality into what we are doing. When I was a computer program, pro- computer programmer, there was a lot of intentionality that went into uh, being with what I was doing. And early on, it was very difficult for mindfulness to enter into that terrain because so much of the mental energy needed to go there. And that's kind of habitually what we do with speaking. A lot of the mental energy goes into that. Um, But it is possible as the mindfulness gets stronger that it's kind of like, it's almost like the mindfulness can begin to just follow us wherever we go. And it can can just like, whatever we're doing, it can just kind of... um, ride on the back of that and infuse. It's like the light can go on. The light can be on whatever we're doing. That light of awareness can be on whatever we're doing. Um, And yet at the beginning, when we're just beginning to practice with these things in these areas, like with programming or with speaking, um, there may be times where what we're doing we, our mindfulness isn't strong enough quite to just infuse it and just kind of follow into it. And so, you know, the activity, the doing of mindfulness, the remembering of mindfulness, that does take mental energy. And so if we're doing something that takes a lot of mental energy, then that kind of, oh, can I remember to be mindful, will get in the way of that activity. And so, you know... Um, uh, I think like with, with people who get really good at a skill, like piano playing or those, you know, like, you know, Steph Curry or, you know, it's like they're not trying to be mindful while they're doing these things. It's, it's, it's become more natural. The, the skill that they're doing is more natural and probably there's some degree of awareness that's just naturally happening because they've practiced so much with it. So the... The, um, you know, the activity of remembering mindfulness does take effort. And so there may be certain things, certain activities that we're doing where we don't have the momentum of mindfulness yet to, to do that. And so that's when we need to take a step back and have these practice areas you know, where we might, I don't know, sit down in front of the computer and practice with for 15 or 20 minutes. Can I be mindful? of this, you know, just remembering, you know, this is my, this is my practicing with my device, um, time. So the, um, but as there is more momentum, as the mindfulness gains momentum, um, it can go anywhere. It can go into very, uh, intense, rapid conversations. It can go into very, um, um, focused activity of of repairing something or or creating something it can go there but it it it, it often can't quite go there if we're trying to remember it 
And so we, we have to be patient with this ability for the mindfulness to become more, uh, t- more natural. And just keep the intention to keep practicing, keep practicing it with, in this more um, structured way to create the conditions so that it can become more natural. And it can. It absolutely can become more natural to do this. Let me just see if there's any more things in my notes. Oh, here, yeah, this is, this is a, as we do kind of gain some skill in um, being mindful while speaking, and we may want to play with this in a more um, real situation, you know, at work or uh, in a conversation with somebody who doesn't practice this or isn't so much interested in this. Um, A few tips there. As you as you begin to move into that, what I'd say, you know, I I, um, I I began playing with this at the monastery when I was in Burma. We also had the opportunity to talk um, mindfully, and I found it so difficult. You know, the the main one of the main times that um, we had to talk, there was an afternoon um, an afternoon time where they served some um, uh, like juice of some kind. And so everybody came to the place where they served the juice. There were like a hundred people, hundred more people in the monastery. So a hundred people descended on this little area where there was juice. And we were allowed to talk. And so it was like a cocktail party, you know, everybody chatting around. And it was, um, you know, it was, that was one of the hardest things for me. There were other times when I was able to practice more structured with another friend we would we would you know a friend of mine were, was there with me and we would we would walk and talk about our practice together and that was an easier place to be mindful with speech but this cocktail party thing was really hard and and I, I was avoiding it for a while it's like wow that's just too challenging but then you know one day I went and the person who happened to be talking to me, and it is very cocktail party like I'd never seen this person before, uh, <laughs> but um, you know he was he was there, and I, I can remember what he looked like uh, because just his demeanor it was so clear he was mindful, it was so clear, and that was contagious, it made me mindful, and it, the very simplicity of that, what I was mindful of was just. Oh, I know I'm talking while I'm talking. That was about all I was aware of. But it was really cool because it was just like, I'm just talking normally and I know I'm doing it. You know, I wasn't like thinking about what I was going to say or, or like pausing to know, am I going to say? It was just like, I was just talking normally and I was aware. And it's like, oh, this is a possibility. And so that, that, um, that's, a, that's the first. I've got some, some handouts for you if you want them. Some talking practice tips on one sheet and kind of a, a little more detailed suggestions on another sheet. So I've got two of them to, to give you. And for those of you on the internet, I will try to remember to post the document with the talk. So I'll try to do that too so that it's available online. Um, so the first thing in the more active situations... 
Now, I would say this one here, the, the longer sheet, is more for the structured conversations. This is, you know, this is like pause before speaking. If you can remember to pause, know what you're about to say, what's the motivation behind it, you know, that kind of thing. So that's more when we've got some time and space to, to navigate this kind of thing. This sheet is for the more dynamic kind of uh, conversation. Although, So this is what I handed out to the retreatants, this sheet. And so the first thing on the top of this is just know you're talking while you're talking. Don't try to do a lot of investigation about the motivation or the intentions or what you're going to say, but just keep it simple. Just can you know that you're talking while you're talking? That was a huge thing for me. And then I began to be more able to do that in the monastery. The next thing that I reported to my teacher around the talking practice was... um, I was, there was one person that uh, I would go walk and talk with and um, I found it very hard to stop the conversation. Um, I, didn't, I didn't, for some, I mean, my, my cultural conditioning made it such that I just didn't, I didn't say, gee, I want to stop now, <laughs> which would have been fine, but, but uh, something about my cultural conditioning, I was trying to kind of indicate through how I was responding to what he was saying that I was ready for the conversation to wind up. But he didn't pick up the cues. And so he would just launch into another topic. And I would try to wind it down again, and it would go on and on and on. And um, I would end up exhausted. And so I reported this to my teacher. I reported this to Sayada Utejaniya. And he just laughed, and he said, you're not noticing whether you're agitated or at ease in the conversation is that the agitation is building up and you're not noticing it. And so the next time I took a walk with him, I began to, to recognize that. The agitation was building up about, I want to stop this. I want to stop this conversation. It's like, I could notice that. And in noticing that agitation, actually it eased a little bit and there was much less, um, you know, it was like, well, it's okay if we keep talking. You know, that's, this is actually not a problem to keep talking. And then the agitation would build up again. And I'd notice it. And so that became the next level of kind of exploration. So not the depth of what kind of emotion is it? You know, can I know the motivation behind the speech? But just tracking kind of how am I in this conversation? Am I at ease? Am I relaxed? Is the heart open and connected? Or does it feel like it's getting shut down and tight? And so that was really, really, really useful to do that, exp- that kind of exploration. Um, and then the other side of this, the speaking, is the listening. You know, when you're in conversation, there's two sides. And so what we sometimes notice that, um, that happens is that when somebody is listening, we're not really listening because we're thinking about the next thing we're going to say. And so the the practice begins to be, okay, well, can I like let go of that need to think about what I'm going to say in favor of just being aware of what's this person saying and receiving that content and noticing how I am with that. So again, it's, you know, it's coming back to that, that what's happening here, somebody's offering content, can I, can I know how I'm resonating, responding to that? So those are some thoughts about mindful speaking. I'm curious if there's any comments, questions, and maybe as you pick up the mic, if you're interested in offering something, a question, maybe you could 
pause and and just know you're asking a question or saying something while you're doing it. You know, it doesn't have to be really deep mindfulness. So anybody, anybody. Yeah, and can we pass the mic back behind you? I think it's on. Hello? Yep. I find what you said about pausing, that's a very powerful thing to do. I started very gradually with that, and not really conscious, but just noticing that sometimes when we have very profound emotions, we end up speaking things that are not very nice or aren't worthy of us. And so then I started doing the pausing. I even put signs in my house, pause, pause. Everybody laughed at me, pause, and they thought it was a physical thing. But it's like just pausing to not really think, but is this what I want to come out of me? Yes, the the feeling. representing me? I know I'm upset. I know this, I'm hurt, or whatever the feeling is, but this is not how I want to communicate it to you. Mm, Beautiful. Instead of attacking you, I could say, you know what? I'm very hurt. I don't agree with what you're saying. That is just like almost taking inventory of, is this what I really want to come out? Yeah. Because then I end up feeling even worse. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, this yelling match, that doesn't work. It never works. And so... Little by little, I learned to do that also in texting. Like I'll get something and I go, right? I have kids, you know, and I'm a grandmother. So all these emotions, and then I'm going, no, 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 no. I end up deleting. Uh-huh. And then t- just pausing, just calming down, just letting me, not forcing myself to calm down, just, just letting it happen. And then later on, I'll choose to text it or word it differently. And it can be fun. It's not even hard. If you're not in a hurry, and if you just go at your own pace, it's something very wonderful to experience. I'm so happy to hear Thank this. You. And I think the one, the one piece I want to just reinforce, one of these things where you said, you know, when you, when you pause and you say, oh, I'm not going to do this, it's not about repressing. It's really about, wow, this is here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, honoring that. You know, because, that, you know, it, and you just have to test it for yourself. Like, do I, did I feel good just attacking back? That didn't feel good. I ended up feeling worse. So then I tried something, and then I thought, hmm, this was better. And that's <laughs> how you end up choosing what best serves you as a spirit and a soul. You're, yes. Beautiful. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> it's not easy to do. But you know what? It's worth it. And it's not a reason to say, well, you know. What you do is you just take a deep breath, let them get it out. And that doesn't mean you're, you're, you're acknowledging that they're right and you're wrong. You're just breathing. Breathing helps with the pausing. And have a fast breath, just like. And then just pause, and maybe in your own pause, they'll catch on. <laughs> yes, that's true. Opposed it's contagious. Because yes. if you throw 
they come back even stronger. So if you just pause, they'll look at you like, and that slows them down a little. So this is, this is kind of that piece where I was saying whatever we frequently ponder becomes the inclination of our mind. Whatever we put into the world becomes what comes back, you know. So that's another piece to, to know. It's like it's not only internally, it's externally. If we're putting anger out, anger often comes back. And so that's a really great the thing. Attraction. And the pause, like I said, that, that person's mindfulness was contagious. The pause can be contagious too. Just yes. exactly the same thing. And yeah. it's soothing. It's not like, oh, now I have to pause and listen to... No, it's like your body, you surrender, and your body goes, let's take a little break. (laughs) (laughs) And just be comfortable. And it's not like you're telling yourself to be comfortable. You actually do become comfortable. Great. And you're not using your power. It's the opposite. Exactly. You're taking your power, and then the other person may just take sips of it. (laughs) You know? And it takes uh, practice, and it could be fun. And, and, and the rewarding part about it is that you feel so much better later. Yes. You do. You feel better that you didn't send the first text out, you know, in response to whatever angry text you got or whatever, that you worded it differently. And, and then it just makes you feel really good. So, Oh, thank you. you. Thank you for, for sharing. <laughs> My pleasure. <laughs> anyone, anyone else? We have maybe another minute or so. Anyone else want to say something? Yeah. Um, would you would you use the mic? I'm just coming. It's partly for the for the recording too. Okay. Yeah, for the yeah. Um, I guess I've I I learned how to be mindful of um, what I was saying and and listening a long time ago. I had uh, I came to a point in my life where I had to learn to do it. Um, you know to build my life back up. But um, one thing that I really noticed is that you had mentioned um, a lot of people don't listen. They're just waiting and thinking what they're going to say next. And I, once I started noticing that, I realized how many people do that. And the, my, I guess my problem now is just I realize no one is listening. And I live in Los Angeles now, so mm-hmm. you really, <laughs> no one is listening to you. And at first it was like, how do I try to get them to be mindful and, and listen themselves? You really can't force people to be mindful. So yep. that was, that's the problem. Um, so then I stopped wasting my energies or stopped giving my energy by like giving them all, doing, being mindful and not having it come back because that can be really exhausting. But um, now I'm kind of in this place where life is really lonely mm. because you're almost, you're, I mean, you're talking to people but no one's really listening and no one's really trying to talk back to you. They're all just trying to talk at you. Yeah. And once you shut down, cause you don't want to give off your, all your energy. It's almost just like you're walking around in a lonely world. So I'm just kind of in that place where I'm just trying to figure out what do you do then? Yeah. I mean, partly what I find is that my, my social world changed a lot, you know, in terms of the kind of people that I chose to be with. And, um, you know, it's like I don't spend a lot of time with people in that kind of, I mean, in, in work situations, I didn't have much of a choice, but, um, um, 
you know, but but I did find people that I could have connection with, and that that coming became the nourishment. Like that became the nourishment. Yeah. Like coming yeah. to a place like this, yes, like exactly. Mindful people, but that kind of hinders when you live in Los Angeles, and they charge you twenty dollars to go to a place like oh, this. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Oh okay. So yeah. it's like, well, I, our people's yeah, they they found a way around that. So yeah. Do you, do you have any Dharma friends? I mean, that's something, yeah, that's, I don't know if Not there's yet. a way to start connecting that, um, you know, in, in um, it can happen slowly, but it, it can happen. So I hope, I wish that for you to, to find some Dharma friends. Me too, thank you. And, um, you know, another piece, um, yeah, we can't make other people mindful, but I would encourage you, you know, you know I, again, I'd encourage just this light touch of mindfulness, uh, kind of like what what you were suggesting, just like ha- doing it for you, and not so much for them. You know that that way it doesn't get ex- as exhausting when you're doing it for your own sake. There, I mean, and and it has a benefit for them too. Um, you know, if you're actually listening to them, um, that might be contagious at some point. Maybe you know, it it can be a slow thing, but but um, but but do it for you. Rather than for the other person, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm. Thank you all. It's time to stop. Mm.